to the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And today's guest has come on to spruik their brand new show where they plan to kill Rofe McManus each and every night. Is that, is that right? <laughs> uh, you know, I can't, I can't give away all my tricks after that. But uh, let me just say, I'm not killing Rofe McManus in the first six nights of the show, um, you know, you're gonna come for the final night. You're gonna come for the final night. You gotta see all uh, seven shows <laughs> for the payoff. And that's for the payoff. For the payoff. Yeah, that's yeah, commitment. Yeah. Today's guest, Patrick Marble Wilbarrows. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that's you got the correct pronunciation. That's Is uh, that, that's, most that's people your, get it wrong. What's your name? Yeah, mobile wheelbarrows. That's it. Great, because I was worried I had some sort of dyslexia. Like no, mobile. no, yeah. Like people always say mulberry, and I'm just like, at this point, I'm just like, well, whatever, you know. Gotta accept it. I guess it's what the people want. Yeah, I don't like conflict, so it's all good. Neither do I, and you can clearly tell that I don't like conf- conflict. Yeah, well, it's the pink and the on the uh, on the on the balaclava. You know, it's pink. If, it all, away. if it was black, that means I am all about the conflict. If it's black, he plans to hijack. If it's pink, this man is here to think. I think that's how the old Bella Clava rhyme goes. It does, and you wrote that. I my you? training. You wrote that. Well, yeah, but when I was contract, I was freelancing for Asia. I was like a, I was like punching up their rhymes for them. You know, the training rhymes that they use. Uh, pretty much. So, you're coming in from Perth. Yes. The girthy Perthy, they call it. Yes, yeah. Uh, the land of plenty. Uh, city of holes. If you love holes, this is the place to be. Um, big ones, small ones. We love digging stuff up, shipping it out. That's our whole thing. And I haven't left, uh, you know, this great state uh, in, since the since the Pando began. Uh, so. I'm a little bit excited to get out, out of my Fritzel bunker, get a bit of fresh of that East Coast of hair. Now, did I hear that right? Beautiful. You haven't left Perth since the panda? This is the pandemic. Right. This I thought you said great, the panda. I'm like, it's very well, yeah, that too. They, at the start of the pandemic, they, you know, um, how can I put this? There was a troubling uh, anti Sino sentiment in Western Australia, and they did attack a lot of um, animals native to China in the Perth Zoo, and I, one panda did get loose, and it turned out to be, like, one of the more aggressive ones. So a lot of us, this, the premier has kept us inside for the better part of two years to, um, to keep more us be- safe. More because of the panda than the pandemic. Okay, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I look like a bamboo shoot, so for me, it's been pretty, pretty tough. Pretty tough. So, Patty, your show's called Killing Rove. Yes. And that's what I wanted to bring up before, because I thought you were going to kill Rove each and every night, but that's not the case. Yeah. No. Uh, like spoilers, I guess. In the, in the world of my show, uh, Rove died as a revolutionary martyr during the Howard years. Uh, and he was kind of like an Australian Che Guevara type uh, who uh, led a civil war. Uh, well, he was a, yeah, a guerrilla fighter in the civil war against the Howard forces, and then he was eventually betrayed and executed by uh, Kevin Rudd in 2007 after helping him uh, come to power. And this is a documentary? 
Uh, yeah, there is a documentary at the start of the show uh, explaining all this. Yep, uh, an Adam, we got Adam Curtis in to talk about Australia the last 20 years and talk about the, the rove, uh, revolutionary period and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I take it as fact. I mean, I live in Western Australia, so I don't know what the rest of the, I don't know what the history in the rest of the country is. You know, I don't know what they teach you guys in the Murdoch press, but uh, different over here. Well, here's what I've learned from the Murdoch press. Rupert Murdoch likes money. He likes money. Let me tell you something that Rupert Murdoch likes. Fucking money. Yeah. The, no, big, yeah. Free. the big free. Rick Ford. And ironically, though, he also loves newspapers, which are not the best way to make money these days. But, you know, you got to give him advice. Uh, and his just happens to be destroying the concept of truth for the last 50 years. So. And comedy is about telling the truth. And this podcast is about destroying comedy. Therefore, (laughs) is this podcast part of the Murdoch press? Well, if it is, uh, I'll be putting those big Murdoch bucks, you know, I gotta say, like, as a, I worked as a journalist for 10 years. I've never worked for Murdoch people. I used to write for Vice regularly and people would be like, he owns 1.5% of Vice. But if I, didn't write for it. I if I didn't write for anything that he owned more than one percent of, I wouldn't be working for anybody but the ABC. Uh, and they don't like me. So you might be part of the Murdoch press, and if you are, you look congratulations. That's that's you know power and wealth. Uh, something to aspire to. So that seems like I should have more influence than I do, and I do not. I think influence over like senior citizens, and yeah, I guess like Parliament, but like not really. Well, like, no one under the age of, like, 40 is really reading that stuff, are they? Hopefully. So no one under the age of 40 is listening to this podcast? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Shit. Well, if you're in the podcast wing of the Murdoch Press, you're definitely part of their youth engagement movement. So you, you might have a lot of, like, young liberal listeners. So we could... Hi. Hi, guys. How's the law school going? <laughs> They're out there. Okay. Is there any messages we want to give to the young liberals? Oh, man. Um, familiarize yourself with the concept of seppuku. Uh, and really, it's one of those things you try a few times before you get it right. And I just, I just say, keep practicing. Go by that 10,000 hours method until you feel like you're a real master of the form. And just keep trying and trying and trying until you've nailed it. That's what I'd say. I would say, vote Greens next election. <laughs> I feel like they're more likely to follow my advice, honestly. Uh... No, here's why they should vote Greens. Because, like, because it's like, it's all the same, under the same umbrella, man. All the votes, they get just funneled in through the same places. This is just, The voting is, stations? Yeah, it's all, it's all funneling to the same place. I'm on DMT right now. <laughs> Yeah, that'll do it. That place is Perth. Now, this is about mind expanding. Our minds are expanding right now. This podcast was originally called The Joe Rogan Experience. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, no, I... And you fired him, right? Was he part of it? You sacked him? Was that what happened? No, well, I called it the Joe Rogan experience, but he gave me a cease and desist letter and said I can't do it. So I had to change it. Bloody hell. What's he going to come come down to your house and inject you with anabolic steroids? I mean, what's he going to do? <laughs> Screw was, that guy. He might have come on down and gave me ivermectin. Yeah, exactly. He forced you to eat a bunch of horse medicine. Or like just sit you in a room with like, like two weird neo-Nazis that have never had sex and like force you to talk to them for three hours. That actually does sound pretty torturous. I think that man is happy. Oh, he's definitely not happy. A yeah. Man who, a man who talks about cancel culture that much is not happy. <laughs> no, yeah, true. You would live in a constant state of like paranoia and reprisals. And like, I don't know. I don't, Look, I don't follow him very, uh, but... Going by his guests, like, are those people his friends? Like, that's rough, man. If you have to, like, talk to Ben Shapiro at all, like, that's fucking rough existence, man. That's, that's hard. And he's talked to Gavin McGuines, who oh, was, was a part of, Vice, part of Vice in the early oh. days. 
One of, one of the founders, I believe. Yeah. So, dude, want to denounce him right now just so you can separate yourself from the Proud Boys a little oh, bit? Oh, I mean, you know, who am I to denounce anybody? <laughs> it's pronounced McKines. I, you know, I, uh, yeah, no, uh, he is, he will be, if he ever steps foot in Vice Magazine offices again, he will be fed to Action Bronson. That is my guarantee. It'll throw him in the action, like the Sarlacc pit, but it's just a- Action Bronson down there. Sorry, I have to let my dog in. He's banging at the door. Is that dog, is that code name for Action Bronson? Yes, yeah, that's Action. I'll make an interesting episode of I'll make an interesting episode of Fuck That's Delicious. Yeah, yes. Yeah, you just like meet Action Bronson's master in just the final episode. He's like, and uh, now uh, the man that owns my kennel and it kind of like zooms out and his house is being like a kennel the entire time. We're just in somebody's suburban backyard. I'd watch it. Hey, I'm Action Bronson. I'm eating... I'm eating uh, Vice founder uh, Gavin. <laughs> Gavin McGuinn's not Gavin Mc, McBurger. I would prefer to be Gavin Kibble. What's dude, with that dude, early what, what's with that early century turn of the century mustache that dude has? It's like he wants to look uh, like he, a villain because he knows he's a villain. Gavin McGuinn's? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he looks like someone that would be like tying a, a, a desperate woman to a train track. In like a silent film kind of thing. <laughs> it uh, sounds like that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, he probably potentially he, that is one of his kinks. But uh, I feel like he, you know, he's a man uh, trapped in 2002, which is its own kind of hell. You know, he's a he was a cool guy in 2002, and then I guess the uh, the cocaine and everything else, uh, it, the <laughs> the innate neo Nazism, uh, he's stuck there now. He wants he wants to claw his way back. For the good old days. So, media personalities. Rove is a media personality. Your show's about Rove. Yeah. yeah. Talk about it. Yes. Well, uh, the show is uh, meant to be a simulation of a manic episode, I guess. I got bipolar, so I'm trying to uh, trying to give uh, sane people in the audience a feeling of like uh, what it actually likes to experience mania, and uh, I'm on the spectrum as well, so it's kind of like uh what it's like to experience autistic thought but it's through a recreation of like an episode of uh rove live where you're not really sure if i'm meant to be rove or if i'm a it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that i'm a, a mad person who is convinced they are rove or at least the next rove uh rove cometh and, and it all falls apart pretty quickly uh but we talk about everything we got molly milgram nfts in there we got uh neighbors branded nootropics we got um, a Renee Rifkin cryptocurrency and uh, heavy on the fact that Paul McDermott did 9-11. That's, a, that's, a, that's one truth we will reveal to the world. So you feel by his love of cabaret. So some people think the American government faked 9-11 in order to invent. Right. Yeah, that was 100% Paul McDermott. Okay. That, now that's the real truth. It makes more sense when you then Bush did 9-11 to invade the Middle East and, you know, uh, make a profit through oil and stuff like that. It just makes more sense when you think about it. Paul McDermott at the turn of the century being eclipsed by Rove as he was uh, and his particular brand of uh, light entertainment just falling by the wayside. Uh, he was a desperate man and he took desperate measures to get, our, to get the world's attention again. So, Did it have, work? Uh, I don't know. Well, I guess we got to see the show and find out. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. Is that it? Is that it? Yeah. How many times do you ask who do you turn gay for? Oh, my God. So I ask it. God, do I even ask it? But at the beginning of the show, I have a um, one minute, two minute montage of Rove asking that question to, to celebrities, um, which I source myself and uh man there's a there's a lot of very awkward moments uh, in like the early 2000s where he's asking like a hollywood celebrity who would you turn gay for and you know you can see the look in their face of like not so much offense you know this is the early 2000s people were insanely homophobic on tv back then where they could just say the f word whenever but uh 
they're like, holy shit. Like, you know, he's asking that for like John Travolta in some some circumstances and like Tom Cruise. And it's like this kind of awkwardness of like, oh, you really can't ask that question. Uh, my, phone but, just, you know. my phone just went off because it got uncomfortable with the question. That's how, <laughs> that's how insane it is. What's it, what, what a good, I think a good question is, which late night talk show host now could end their interviews with that question and and get away with it? I'm going to say James Corden. So, hey, what you turn gay for? He doesn't. He already, doesn't he already do that? <laughs> he takes them. But he's like know, pretty awesome. In that car. He's like a merry like Englishman from the 1900s or whatever. So he means who would you turn happy for? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Who would you turn gay for on this fine summer morn? Uh, you know, who knows what that guy's deal is deep down. He says he says the f word. He means it in the way like a cigarette. Like he literally means that. Still, he means he means a bundle of sticks. He's saying the f word man's coming today to pick him up. He so he deliver the bundle of sticks for the for the winter. Keep the keep the uh, keep the keep the stove going. It's it's amazing they let him say it in every episode, but I guess people have adjusted, you know. Well, it's like he's British, so it's charming. Yeah, he's charming. He's you look at James Corden and you think this is such a charming man. I could I could watch this for hours. This this man driving people around in his little little car, singing, For, forcing him to sing, forcing him to sing. Yeah, yeah. Dancing in traffic in the street. Do you remember that one? I mean, he was dancing in mouse, dressed like a rat. In the mouse costume. Or yeah, that's costume what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he still does was that. Force? Was that force something? Was that No, I think I think he was just having an episode. I, think <laughs> yeah, right. like, I, I, I gotta put this mouse that? costume on and dance on the street. Yeah, yeah. I gotta I gotta hump it. I gotta hump it, people, commuters. As a mouse. Fuck, man, what would you do if you saw James Corden in front of you and you're in a car? That's a rough one. Real don't don't tempt me, Frodo territory with that one for sure. Now Jimmy Corden, he's in front of a long tradition of Americans tolerating annoying British people. Yes, Russell yeah, Brand. That's true. Oh Jim man, Corden. <laughs> Russell Brand is the most extreme case because I feel like he was like the the guinea pig where it's like if you can tolerate this. You can tolerate anything. Like James Gordon is nothing. I mean, compared to Russell Brand, I don't know if anything is that. You ever try to watch an episode of Russell Brand's like talk show? Fuck, rough. <laughs> Where he's just he's like he's like he's like he's <laughs> like man. I'm trying to remember if I'm remembering this right. But his talk show in the UK, he used to be sitting in like the middle of a, like a haram, like on the ground, like on a pillow. Surrounded by teenage girls, it seemed like, and he seemed like he was grooming them in real time. But he'd be just be asking me that. Like, so, like, what if the question was like, what if God is like not real? Would that like, blow your mind? To like no one in particular. <laughs> well, Russell Brand's just a university teacher. That creepy <laughs> university teacher that's like, I'm going to instill you with mind expanding thought, and then we're going to shag. Like, yeah. I yeah, is he a university teacher or he's like the guy that's like been doing his honors for 10 years and he's like, they let him run some of the tutorials, but he doesn't actually have any credentials. Like he's, but yeah, this guy's been doing his creative writing degree since 2006. <laughs> he had to talk to you about, I don't know, yeah, God, I don't know, uh, doing ayahuasca in, in, the, in the jungles. <laughs> Boy, Brand X, that was a, that was a catastrophe. Yeah. Bloody hell. I'm thinking about if you got Russell Brand, James Gordon, and Ricky Gervais in a room together. What, like, not so much what they would say, but, like, what it would sound like. Like, the actual, the noise, the shrill, like, the, <laughs> that laughing they both do. Ricky, Ricky Gervais got that evil laugh. And I think James Gordon, like, kind of copied his laugh. I don't know. The shrill cackle. I have no idea if Russell Brand can laugh. I don't know if I've ever seen him laugh. It's definitely not as annoying. It's it's, it's a scale of like Ricky Gervais, <laughs> James yeah. Gordon, Russell Brand. Sort. Yeah, yeah. But just like get them in the room together to talk about atheism and um, cancel culture. That would be fucking sick. Uh, 
Now it's interesting because Ricky Ricky Gervais, he doesn't believe in God. Not at all. Is that crazy? Is that crazy? This, That's so wild to me, man. It's pretty wild. And Isn't you can fear getting like smitten, smite, smoted. This is the thing. This guy doesn't give a shit. He freaking posed with the crown of thorns and a, like a riding on his torso reading. I gotta pictures. say, that is probably the coolest photo of all time that I've ever seen. When he yeah. kind of looks like he's been crucified, he's got the mic stand. And he's got the mic stand, and that's saying comedians getting crucified for talking about anything. Man, he really bothered himself for us. Like, he's kind of like the comedian's Christ, because he sacrificed himself on the altar of cancel culture so that we could be free to say stuff like, God probably isn't real, which, you know, it's pretty the most radical thing you can fucking say uh, in 2022. Um, the man was this, he's a saint and a warrior poet. What else is there to say about it? He gave us such gems as Derek. <laughs> Derek isn't such a unique show <laughs> where you watch it and you're like, firstly, you're like, is this, like, is this a comedy? Like, is this meant to be funny? And, and then you try to work out the angle where you're like, <laughs> whose expense is this joke at? Like, well, is it deadly serious? Um, uh, it's deadly serious about how kindness is magic, <laughs> but at the same time, aren't people who aren't mentally all there hilarious? They're so they're so funny. They're like in like an adorable way. Like they're like they're like fucking big teddy bears you can bring home with you and hang out with, and have also like they're profound. They'll inspire these kind of philosophical questions. Because I feel like he went full method in that role. Uh, he seemed to be taking it super seriously. Um, but it also, the performance was really similar to his, like, when I say his performance in Extras, when he was the fictional sitcom character in Extras, you know what I mean? But is he having a laugh? That kind of energy. Oh, man. Ricky. It's so interesting because he, he says, he got to have empathy. You gotta have empathy, Ben. Get four years later, be like trans people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta, well, you gotta have empathy with that. That's what he's saying. That's the truth. That's uh, you gotta have empathy with Derek. Just Derek. Just Derek. Derek is a non-specific type of disabled. We don't really know what's wrong with him. He's just, he just is a little bit disabled. Uh, but you know. You really should put all your empathy into Derek and not have any leftover for trans people who are probably, let's look, I don't want to get kind of controversial, but when I think of the greatest threat to comedy at the moment, um, it's uh, trans people uh, feeling love and acceptance and having uh, safe, safe spaces and community. That's the biggest threat to, um, to good comedy, I feel. You know, am I wrong? I mean, you might be. Netflix just sent me $31 million. And it is very interesting that Dave Chappelle is very... We're going to Dave Chappelle now. Another man. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Another man who's like, trans people? And it's... he. I learned from his last special that it don't matter to say, to call people what they don't want to be called anymore. And he famously didn't want to be called the I don't want to be... I'm Rick James bitch guy. So I yeah, think it, yeah, yeah. I think it's okay. We say we call him the "I'm Rick James" bitch guy now because he told me it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, he's yeah, he doesn't he doesn't mind. He's you know like again, man, talk about philosopher kings. Here's this guy coming down from the mountaintop with his wisdom. I wish that only a man worth like a hundred million dollars can really attain. Because um, you know, I used to, you know, I Dave Chappelle when he left the Chappelle Show, famously it was because he realized you know he said that it was they were punching down at people they were making fun of he said it was a sketch where they were making fun of mexicans and he he realized that oh we're being we're being cruel and he, he walked away from all that money and uh went and became a mystic and a wise man a village wise man traveling around open mics spreading his evangel and then 
he ultimately decided he was wrong and that you should punch down at people so fucking hard. Just bust their heads open as hard as you can. Uh, and who, who are we to say he's wrong, you know? Well, the thing is, I think Chappelle would have been okay with the Mexican sketch if they were swapping their genitals. Yeah, yeah. But it's perhaps, fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I guess I wrote a, a piece about uh, Davo, uh, who I used to love madly as a young man, pretty much sincerely, however, for a second, um, for Vice about five years ago, about his first Netflix special, and I was a little bit critical about his uh, transphobia and also, like, the quality of the comedy, which, like, you know, uh, was pretty mid. Uh, and I, go, I used to get a lot of death threats. You write about anything on the internet, people will send you death threats. But wow, my inbox blew up with like fucking 36 year old white guys just being like, I'm going to murder you for saying that Dave Chappelle isn't the funniest man in the universe. <laughs> I'm going to find where you live and slit your throat. So, and that's just how the internet communicates. It's just how the internet communicates. When they yeah, say- yeah, you know it's it all in jest. You know when they say, I'm going to murder you, they, tr- yeah. they actually want to say, I want to give you a hug. Yeah, and they're, they're like, I want to murder you is kind of like their way of introducing you to have a an enlightened debate. You know? Uh, when they send you, they used to send me, sometimes they find your house on Google Maps and they'll send you a street view picture of your house and they say, I'm going to find you, I'm going to come here and kill your family. Um, what they're really trying to say to me is like, I would love to talk about this in an open forum, quietly and sensibly. Yeah, let's go out for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's the, go out for dinner. Let's the, go my dinner with Andre style philosophical. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'd be. Am I, am I Andre in that situation? I guess I'm not the wall of Sean, am I? Inconceivable, etc. It was like half my head in with a crowbar. What? Wall of Sean still kicking around Rifkin's festival. <laughs> <laughs> And so that was Woody Allen's take on the Ronnie Rifkin saga, I believe, wasn't it? it was, Woody was finally like, you know, we have to make a film about Renee Rifkin. And he, he went for it. Uh, Renee tried to win with a 14-year-old girl. But maybe it's like a guy who has uh, marriage problems, <laughs> falls in love with a younger woman. I've never done that film before. <laughs> yeah, she's 15. He picks her up from school. And he's one of Australia's biggest scammers. Oh, good old Renee. Uh, no, I, you know, I didn't get to see Rifkin's festival yet. As much as I'm, I'm Wallace Shawn is probably one of my favorite actors and playwrights. And a great playwright, Wallace Shawn. Truly. But uh, I feel like you're going to see Rifkin's festival in a festival setting. I, feel, I, I hear like they're going to they're gonna make it like a headliner at the next Slender in the Grass. Like they're going to, like they're going to have like, um, <laughs> <laughs> they were going to have confidence man were going to open up and then it was going to play yeah, yeah. festival yeah yeah they were going to have because they're like oh like uh, we were going to get Kendrick in but he was the one that suggested fuck man you guys who wants to see me uh, big screen every night every of the three nights of Splendor in the Grass we show Rifkin's Fest three to five times so you go to the freak out tent, you're, you're on NDMA, you're on DMG, yeah. and then you see Wallace Shawn being like, I've got marriage troubles, I'm going to go and get yeah. this 15-year-old. Yeah, yeah i I got to marry my step-niece or whatever. Yeah, and you're like, damn. Just, and by that point, it's the second night, and you've seen it like six times. And you're like, this film just gets better every single time I see it. Yeah, we were like 40, how many people go to Spun in the Grass at pre-COVID? Like 40,000? Be like we're the biggest collection of Rifkin heads on earth at the moment, and that's a force for good. I believe. I mean, what's the what would be the biggest travesty that this doesn't happen, or Astro World? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> definitely that this doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I feel like less people would have been harmed or killed in Astro World if they were just playing Rifkin's we- festival the whole time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It would have, it would have brought calm to the audience for sure. It would have settled that crowd down. Travis Scott wants to hype his audience up. He wants it to be like a wild 
manic show. Rifkin's festival yeah. would have just put them all to sleep. It would have, I think it would have, like, well, it would have put them to sleep in, like, it's such an enthralling film, obviously. It's Woody, it's Woody and Wally. Like, what, what's going to, it's a know, later day, it's a later day Woody, of a, especially. I, I heard it was going to, it was going to sweep the Oscars, and um, Woody was going to be sitting there on, like, a throne, like, a place of honor. Uh, but then he heard about the Chris, like, Chris, uh, Will Smith was meant to slap Woody, like a joke, and Woody freaked out. He wouldn't have it, wouldn't have it, because he's, he plays that clarinet. He needs lips. He can't be hit in the face. So, but yeah, Travis Scott. I mean, if he if he was smart, he would have been playing Rifkin Festival, of course. But he he had to hype him up. He was playing Vicky Cristina Barcelona. He had the crowd all riled up. <laughs> Javier Bardem raging people, rage. Showing the Wonder Wheel. The one I think that's one Wonder Wheel. <laughs> Wonder Wheel. Midnight in Paris. Six scenes from Paris. the. Mar- Six scenes from a marriage. The one with Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, Where he's the new is that Woody? Wonder Wheel, actually. Is it, is it, he's yeah. the new Woody. He's the new Woody. He's going to... You don't adopt, want to know what goes into that ceremony. He go, he's going to adopt his daughter, his stepdaughter. Adopt his stepdaughter. And marry the stepdaughter. All around, all around fun guy, you know? Jesse, Jesse, the new Woody. Congratulations, Jesse. So would Rovig Manis been more interesting if he asked who would you have turned Woody for? Oh, 100%. I mean, like, hopefully he's going to bring the show back and it's going to be pretty Woody Allen, Rifkin's Festival-centric from what I, like, what I hope, you know. I've been sending feedback anyway from Channel 10. Um, who would you turn Woody for as a real... It's kind of like, as a comedian, here's the thing. It's like you get to be a groundbreaking writer, performer, and filmmaker kind of kind of kind of revolutionized the form of stand-up comedy in the nineteen sixties in a lot of ways. You know, you don't talk about it so much, but he was up there with Colin and Bruce and, and Pryor. Uh, revolutionized the romantic comedy and just like all these great films. But the catch is you are a pedophile uh, and you're kind of Outside of the Rene Rifkin circuit, you're, uh, the Rifkin Festival circuit, you're kind of universally hated, uh, except for by character actors who are desperate to work with you, A-list actors. They don't care if you're a <laughs> Couldn't care less. I just feel like A-list Wallace Shawn is like Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn is. He might not really even know what's going on. No, he doesn't care. He doesn't. He can't. He's got those jowls. He can't. Pretty. Can't even see Woody Allen past his own jowls. Woody's a little man, you know. When I was living in New York, uh, 2017, 2019, and you'd see Woody all the time. He was always out there, pounding the pavement, flying, firing for his movie. He moved. You gotta see my movie, Annie Hall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You've got to come to Wonder Wheel. <laughs> Put him, shoving him in people's hands. Still, still there. It's still it's like Melbourne International Comedy Festival is out there firing. For Rifkin's <sighs> Festival, I'm like, this is a movie. Who is the most uh, problematic comedian they could get to like headline at Melbourne International Comedy Festival? This is my first festival, so I'm legit curious. Uh, How probable could they get? Louis? <laughs> Louis. And he wanted to be the next Woody. Yeah, and boy, did that monkey poor wish come true, right? They got a. They, uh, he didn't even have to touch anyone. Cheap. He didn't even have to touch anyone. He just touched himself. Yeah, rookie mistake. He blew his wish, you know, in a way. Uh, you know, he's out there making. He's made, out there making Louis by himself now, just using his fucking selfie stick and his phone and like black and white filter. Uh, I think like, I do feel like as a comedian, we do desperately need more shows about like what it's like to be a comedian, uh, and you know, like doing doing mics and stuff like that, and like about a kind of dating life, uh, dating really hot women, and right, how, stuff like that. How like you're kind of just an average guy, but you're also kind of a genius. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like people don't really appreciate that a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you got the, there's all the words of the plebs, the pros, 
and it's like they laugh at your jokes, but they don't really get them. <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah, nah. I, I mean, did you ever watch Pete Holmes's hit television program? The Pete, what was it called? The Pete Holmes Show? The Pete Holmes Crashing? Crashing. Is that one Crashing. where he's like, this guy's dating attractive women, and it's like, he. Yeah. He literally looks like and is a Christian youth pastor. Yes, yeah, that's what that's what makes him so sexy because he's got this like forbidden fruit quality, and that's why all those twenty-two-year-old women were so attracted to him in that show. Um, I do remember one episode I watched. The the thing seemed to be that he, I think Lauren Lapkus played the love interest in the one I watched or something. Or she, she's the ex-wife. Some, well, okay, okay. No, it was like a young comedian that he had got a crush on. And the the structure of the episode was like him following her from like mic to mic, uh, trying to um, trying to woo her, and she kept being like, "Oh, I'm not really interested." And then I think it ends with him seducing her successfully, which is a good moral. I think. Uh, keep you know persistence. Keep, keep trying. Keep persistence. That's what comedy is all about. It's about persistence. It's about whether persistence. it's book, booking a dream gig or booking you know getting a beautiful twenty one year old when you're. 43 or whatever to fall in love with you. I mean, that's, that's all about persistence. Holmes P. Holmes, 61. He looks, he looks ill. For all that talk spirituality and God and all that stuff, he looks like a piece of shit. He looks, <laughs> he looks fucked up. He looks like a guy that died on the Oregon Trail. Like in the game. He looks like a pixel man. <laughs> He's got a, he's got an eel-like quality to him. I'll say that. More eel. I think it's an eel that lives inside Pete Holmes, and it kind of just is right. like a robot, you know? Right. It's, like, inside. it's a ratatouille situation, but it's an eel. In the inside. Eel. I can see that. Yeah. I yeah. can 100% see that. So when are you going to have your own show where you star as a fictionalized version of yourself? Man, if I get off the ground, if uh, the ABC would answer my calls uh, tomorrow, because there's nothing like seeing like that format done by Australian comedians. It's like when Australian comedians who are like 35 write like a memoir, and I'm like, man, I gotta fucking hear about your life because I bet it's wild. I bet that's some wild stuff. Like, uh, you grew up as a white kid in the suburbs in Sydney. This book is gonna blow my fucking mind. I can't imagine what's gonna happen here. Uh, you know. Because, like, comedians, quite wisely, we start the most maturing, like, around high school, like, midway through high school. And we keep those kind of petty grudges with us forever. And I think that's what makes us such great artists. Um, and I think a show that kind of focuses on that. You know, I'd like to get Chris Lilly to play me, if I could. Uh, or play my dad. Because I think he would he could play get picked up by... Yeah, I get picked up by the ABC if I had, like, well, you know, I want more POC characters uh, in the show. So if I, I would like to have my, my dad be a person of color. Uh, so I think, who better than Chris? Chris Lilly yeah. in blackface? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could, I mean, he can, he's hell versatile. He can do yellow face. He can do blackface. He can do brown face. There's nothing that guy can't do. He's There's a no genius. F- no face he can't do except red face. Says. Yeah. Well, I, I guess. No, I'm trying to think of one of his beloved characters, but they're all they're all black, I think. Or one's a teenage girl. Funny stuff. So are you meaning to tell me you don't think Matt O'Kine's the other guy on Stan is a work of genius? Man, I, it... I wish I could have an opinion, but I can't even afford a Stan subscription. I don't got Stan money right now, you know? <laughs> What is it about? Is it about being a comedian? It's pretty much about Matt O'Kine. Matt, it's his... Matt O'Kine pretty much being Matt O'Kine. Like, he has a radio show. Like, he hosts a breakfast show like Matt O'Kine did. Oh, it's like, like Frasier. Kind of like Frasier. Like a youth... Matt, Matt O'Kine's Australia is Frasier. You know what? I bet Chris Rock wanted to slap Matt O'Kine when he... Sh- Played in that audio and said, Oh, he's pretty good. I'm pretty goddamn good. Oh, yeah, and he shot. But I saw Chris Rock live with some, I can't remember how this happened at, in Perth. I think it was, it was 2017, maybe, or maybe 2019. Shit, I don't know, who knows. 
Um, you spent a good like 15, 20 minutes talking about why we should beat our children. Like uh, you got to hit your kids and stuff. And I don't, like, I don't know if you ever experienced somebody like bombing uh, on a stadium scale for that long was really um, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool vibe. Yeah. You, you reap what you sow. You <laughs> yeah, it's getting rough if you're like performing in Perth and you're like, yeah, we should hit our kids and the audience is like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, else, what else should I know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, thanks, Chris Rock. But, if Will uh, Smith adopted Chris Rock, would that have made it okay? You think uh, Will Smith has ever struck J- Jaden or... Almost definitely. Willow? Oh, man, I don't know. Jaden has the energy of a kid that has never been hit by anyone to me. Um, I, think uh, the in- I think the inverse. I think he's been slapped so much. Really? That there's really? his way of acting out. God, I don't know. I, I, when I was at the baseball in New York, right, that was a very surreal experience because they had, like, it was this packed stadium. It was the Mets. My roommates taking me out there, and um, they're like, they're like, stay around after the game. We're gonna have a very special musical guest. You're not gonna want to miss this uh, whole show. And at the halfway show, they had, um, they had the like, they had the troop of the week where they brought out like a PTSD riddled veteran into the middle of the field, and were like letting off fireworks. And while they were also simultaneously doing, this is not made up, by the way like go-kart races were happening at the same time. So I was like, what's your trooper of the week? Sergeant Chris Shields. And this kid, just, this guy was just like out there on the field. And they're like, yeah, you're going to stay around for the post-game show. Anyway, the game finishes. The stadium empties immediately. And they're going to stay empty that fast. And they're like, stay around for the show. We've got the great musician. Me and my roommates hung out out of curiosity. And who was it but uh, uh, Jaden Smith? Uh, performing to a crowd of like I want to say eighty people. Uh-huh. It's what family Doing nepotism all his gets hits. you. It's what family nepotism. All his gets hits. You. Yeah, and your own Netflix anime, right? He had, a, he had an anime, didn't he? He had an anime, Jaden. Jaden, what are you doing? I believe he had an anime. Look at an anime on Netflix that he like produced and started. Uh so Daddy gave him the keys to Netflix to make an anime. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hey son, go and make an anime. You know? I mean, Will Smith is, do we count him as a comedian? He's been in so many funny movies. Uh, Ali. Ali. The Pursuit of Happiness. Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, One came out a couple years ago about CTE, about people with concussion, brain injuries. That was funny. Gemini Man, that was funny. Him playing against Jim himself. Man's funny. He was doing that, that Scientology one. Yeah. After Earth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that the one? Or oh, Battlefield Earth? That's a different one. I, I think it's After Earth. That's like based on an Aaron Hubbard story or whatever. With his son. Starring with his son. So, what would be worse? L. Ron Hubbard or L. Rove Hubbard? Well, I mean, if anyone could start a successful cult and live on a boat in international waters uh, in Australia, it would be the great Rove McManus, right? Like, I would follow Rove's, whatever his version of Dianetics is, I would fucking, I'd follow that. Because Rove's don't all work out. Rove's been a success from the age of like 20, 19 or something. Step one, step one, say hi to your mum for me. So, yeah, step one, say hi to your mom for me. Step two, always ask what the. Uh, step three, spend two minutes at your house. Step four, Pete Space. Hang out in the Pete Space. And then step five, who would you turn gay for? Of course. So it would be amiss of me to not end this podcast by asking who would you turn gay for? Because as we all know, that's how it works. Yeah, 100% Shrek. Uh, thought about it. Shrek. I mean, like, because, you, you know, he's, he's hot, for one thing. I got, like, a bit of a, like, I like big guys. Mm. He's sexy. Um, he's confident. You get to hang out with Donkey. 
making waffles. I mean, what could be fucking more fun than that? Uh, but also, I believe Shrek canonically is now like the king of the kingdom or something like that. Or he, I guess he married into money. She can he, still hang around. He married into money. He's cuddly. He hangs out He's with cuddly. And dragons and, and, and puss in boots and gingerbread Puss in boots. And like in the funny fucking references and stuff. It'd be like living in an episode of Family Guy, Dream Come True. Uh, Shrek Family Guy crossover. Speaking of Will Smith, I don't want to drag this on, but do you ever see that movie where he's like a cop with an orc friend, like an orc buddy cop movie? Orc cops, <laughs> orc cops, orc cops. It's called. I think it's called. Uh, what is it called? It's called Bright. It was made by Netflix, and I watched it while really hungover on uh, Boxing Day when it came out. And uh, it's like a, it's like Lethal Weapon, but the black, like so, you know, Will Smith racism is everywhere in this world, hmm. but it's against fantasy creatures and um the orcs live in like the the ghetto of los angeles like they live in like a boy in the hood type neighborhood uh and they wear like three-quarter baggy jeans and they have like chains and they like rap and stuff and they have like kind of a mix of like cholo and like african-american culture uh and will smith is you know still a black man so it's kind of unclear whether like racism against black people still exists because it's implied that maybe the orcs were slaves or something like that. Um, it's pretty much like, what if Shrek Universal was real and gritty? I, five stars. The gritty bit of Bright, which, yes, I'm beginning to remember. Joel Edgerton plays the orc. Joel- I just think Will Smith learning that he learns that racism is bad. Will Smith learns that racism is bad because he was a racist to orcs. And it took that movie to stop us all being racist towards orcs. Yeah. Yeah, turn me around. For sure. You think I'd be saying I'd turn gay for Shrek if I hadn't seen Bright? Too risky. Definitely not. It would have been a country. different movie if that was the case. It would have been like Jungle Love. But with orcs. <laughs> He's got the, he got the orc love. He got the orc. He got the orc, Get the orc love. He got the orc fever. Jungle Love, is. Jungle Fever. Is jungle Fever's, Jungle Fever's, Jungle Fever's the film. Right? Sorry, I said Jungle Love, the song. I got Great movie. You got the Orc Fever, the lots you of got, You got Orc Fever. You got Orc Fever. <laughs> Wesley, Snipes, Wesley Snipes hugs his yeah. daughter at the end, yells out, No! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, I mean, Spike Lee, if you're listening, this is money in the bank, free money on the table. Time for the gritty reboot. Yeah. Racism against black oh, people is over. It's all about racism against Ma- orcs now. Malcolm X with orcs would be great. Same cast, same director. Denzel plays uh, Urukai, and the rest is history. Sorry. Patrick Marble Burrows. Yes. Killing Rove. When can we see it? Yeah. Uh, April 11th, the 17th at 7 p.m. at the Motley Bauhaus Theater as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It's a hoot. It's such a good time of a show. It's and a hoot. So it's totally family friendly. I mean, kind of. There's only a little bit of Shrek pornography in it. So, uh, you know, your kids have probably already seen that stuff. Who cares? Bring them down. Coming all the way from Perth. I got to sell them tickets. Kids are exposed to so much these days. Kids have seen Shrek porn that you and I couldn't even imagine. Shrek porn's different from the Shrek porn in my day. No, yeah. Well, it was all, uh, you know, like, it was all like real actors making tapes that you'd buy, buy out of a guy's boot. Now it's all in the freaking metaverse. It's on Roblox. All the kids are watching it in Roblox and Fortnite. Fortnite having those special Shrek porn screenings. All that step. Star Wars porn. presents Shrek porn. All that step Shrek porn. You're my step yeah. Shrek. Man, hard. We have time to be a step Shrek right now. Sure. Unless you belong to Woody Allen. Buttons. Tie it back. Bring it back. So yeah, come to the show. It's really good. Come see Killing Grove. Go see 
my show, Hey, Hey, It's Doomsday. There's also, I guess, a theme of some indictment of the Australian media landscape. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely in there. <laughs> so it's related. Our shows that's are related there. in some thematic sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, radicals. Like all, I mean, like all comedians, radical free thinkers. Radicals, we're free thinkers. We're telling the truth. Telling the truth. Tell how it is. PC culture, Mac culture, Windows culture, all the cultures. All the cultures. Yeah, 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 yeah. No rock goes on turn. And anybody tries to come on stage and pull that Will Smith shit on me, I will fucking put them in the ground. I'm just saying that now. Saying if, that. if someone pulls that Will Smith shit with me, I'll just let them. Because I'm a coward and a wimp. No, I'm not. Man, I'm bringing that Perth boy energy to Melbourne, all right? So don't try... I want some Fitzroy boy coming up trying that Will Smith on me like a big man because give him the old Fremantle kiss right in the face and another place you can not give Fremantle kisses to anyone is the Ross Petty Destroys Comedy Live podcasts each weekend by the time this podcast comes out we've already recorded two we would have recorded the 100th episode you're on the 99th episode, Patrick. Did you know that? Awesome. Yeah, that's cool as hell. I like that. I'm tired, man. I'm tired, man. <laughs> I'm, doing yeah, too. Too lo- I'm doing this too long. Any final yeah, words? No, I feel you. Yeah, um, man, check out Rifkin's Festival if you can get it. Um, should be available at all good retailers. Probably as soon as you walk in JB Hi-Fi, they're going to have a big Rifkin's Festival display. So pick up the extended edition Blu-ray. Uh, see that thing in uh, 4K. Cannot recommend it enough. 4K Sean. 4K, 4K Wally. Uh, and yeah, come on down to Kill and Rove. And shake my hand and say, you know, it's so great to have you here in Melbourne, Patrick. Uh, I hope you feel safe because I, I, I would need that and I love it. So thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it. And you're welcome. And you know, I forget all the plugs I did. Just go see Rifkin's Festival. Yeah. See Rifkin's Festival.